0: Good morning. We're excited to tell you about our trip to Phoenix, Arizona for the Mennonite Convention with the MYF this morning. We have to admit, we're pretty tired. We arrived home yesterday at 6.15 a.m. after an overnight flight, which felt like 3.15 a.m. to us. But despite that, and we had about 100 to 115 degree temperatures while we were there, we had a great week and we're excited to share with you about the week that we had this past week together as a group. As people have already mentioned, our theme for the week at convention was citizens of God's kingdom. From speakers asking us what we get our identity from, to challenging us about issues of immigration, seminars exploring the intersection between faith and other parts of our lives, to a gathering of urban youth we attended that prodded us to go outside of our comfort zones We were encouraged all week to think about what it means to be citizens of God's kingdom rather than of the world. Our experience was definitely made better by sharing it together. Each day we met together for worship services, meals, group discussions, and sometimes just to hang out. And on a personal note, Ben and I really enjoyed getting to know each person who came along. They're a really great group and we were impressed by their maturity and how they interacted with each other and with us. So in the most humble way possible, you should be very proud of them. They were a great group. (laughs) We're going to start off with a slideshow of pictures and videos, hoping it works out smoothly, from our time in Phoenix. And it's set to music that was written and sung by the worship leader of the youth meetings while we were there. We sang his songs and a number of other new ones to us this week. And then we're going to hear from each of the youth who will share about something that was meaningful, interesting, or challenging to them Um, from what they heard at their time at convention. (laughs)
1: Okay. <laughs> of Jesus conquering death, because of the cross, because he loves us, no exceptions, because of the cross, because we don't fear death as the end, because of the cross, because of the we Because of the love, because of the love.
2: I found that the Mennonite USA convention held every two years in a different city around the United States is a very beneficial event that the church participates in. As you all know, this year's convention was held in Phoenix, Arizona. And just a little side note here, um, Phoenix is the sixth largest city in the United States, which makes no sense at all to me because there's literally nothing there. (laughs) No water, no trees, no shade, no grass, no nothing that would make it a desirable place to live. Summertime temperatures while we were there routinely broke 110 degrees, so it's completely beyond me why there's even a city there in the first place. Not to mention one that has 4 million people in it. Anyway, attending the convention this year was a valuable experience for me for many reasons. First of all, it gave me the chance to experience the Mennonite Church in the U.S. as a whole for the first time. Worshiping and being around thousands of Christians from all over North America is an experience I will never forget. Attending seminars throughout the week got me thinking about my faith in a different and deeper way than before. Another important aspect of the convention is the conversations that are are encouraged to happen when Christians that are normally miles and miles apart come together to talk about their own story as well as the Christian faith as a whole. Spending the week at convention also encouraged the East Chestnut Street MIF to become closer together because of all the stories, experiences, and laughter we shared while attending Phoenix 2013. Thank you to this congregation for giving me the chance to be part of something truly amazing.
3: So uh, as Josh mentioned, we went to a lot of seminars during the week, and so I'm going to speak about one of those. It was titled, Jesus, Anarchism, and the un of God. The presenter, Mark Van Steenwick, started us off by asking us what we thought of when we heard the word anarchy. Most people came up with words like chaos or rebellion, but Mr. Steenwick defined it as merely the absence of a governing or controlling power. He co-founded and lives in an uh, intentional community in Minneapolis called the Mennonite Worker that shares everything among themselves. Most people do not work unless money is becoming an issue and someone can sacrifice their time to take on a part-time job. Usually there's enough work to do around the homes that a full-time job is not an option. They grow most of their food and homes need to be clean and well-kept. Everyone is required to work to earn their share except in the case of people that may be disabled. Poor and homeless people are often attracted to the community and are welcomed in as long as they can support their own weight. He discussed Jesus' teaching about giving up everything that one owns. And of course, usually for in our society, this idea would be completely impractical or impossible. But living in a community like this allows one to follow that idea. At the end of his seminar, Mr. Steenwick talked to, uh, talked to us about two books that he had written. One of them, That Holy Anarchist, can actually be downloaded for free on, his, on the book's website. The other, The Unkingdom of God, must be bought normally. However, he gave anyone that came to his seminar a steep discount on it and even said that we could barter for it if we had no cash because, in his own words, he doesn't like capitalism. He was a very interesting person, and his speech was interesting as well. Uh, personally, I got a lot out, out of it, and I think uh, the rest of us did as well. Thank you.
4: Um, During this past week, I've heard many speakers talking about a variety of topics, including anarchism. Out of all the spiritual, theological, informational, or simply funny speakers that I've heard there, I was struck by one much more than the rest. It was an intergenerational seminar, meaning that both adult and youth were invited to it, titled Jesus in Dynamic Encounter with the Religions, and was taught by David Shank. He began the seminar by explaining that he had been in Shanghai, to teach about peace at a university. This university was officially atheist, so he was not allowed to speak about religion during it. He somehow managed to get away with explaining to his students, and then to us during the seminar, that relations are built between countries based on their belief in meta-narratives, or great stories, which is essentially a fancy scientific name for religion. He told us four very different narratives, and each explained how humanity came into being and where it would go after that. He then brought up what he considered to be the three ultimate questions, which he had gotten from Paul Tillich. They were, what is the meaning of life, how do you find forgiveness, and what is the meaning of death? Each meta-narrative, each religion, has a different answer to these questions, which changes how the people act in life and how the culture that is built around the religion is wrong. Mr. Shank explained that the forgiveness of Christianity was very appealing to many people from other religions, and was usually the point that spread the faith to others. A story was then told to us about a young Muslim who had Mr. Shank as a teacher, and who became Christian. He had said that his Islam belief was what led him to believe in the Christian faith, and that the texts were similar, and his Islam views seemed to point towards Christianity and Jesus. And this is not the only religion that seems to point towards Christianity. We're the first person to come to our faith through the forgiveness of Christ. He concluded his lecture by telling about a few of the things that only our faith has and how those things can change people everywhere who believe in many different things. And as I conclude, I want to thank you all for letting and helping me go to my first convention uh, where I could see seminars like this. And even though I didn't like the temperature in Phoenix, the discussion of the things I heard there changed me and helped me to grow spiritually.
5: Well, despite the fact that we almost broke a door, well, we did break a door at the convention, and the floor was shaking during the music time, and Trenton kept disappearing at random times, we had a great time at the convention. And we were asked to go to a lot of seminars, but they were all really worth it. One in which that Kate and I attended was called the Racism in American Film. It talked about, they started out with asking who are our five top American movie, well, let me say that again. They asked us to name our top five movie heroes. And then they asked us how many were Hispanic, Latino, African American, or or Asian. They challenged to name the African American actors that were nominated Academy Awards for other than a housekeeper, athletic, or entertainer. It was very challenging, and it, ta- it got us to think about how racism plays a big part in our lives and how it, they, the directors choose very wisely about their actors and wh- if they're African American or just by their race. And it can also lead to racism straight up. And we also watched a few videos that included African Americans as heroes, other than um, housekeepers, athletes, or entertainers. Like Aquila and the Bee, for example, or Smoke Signals. Most of you probably saw of them. But it really did challenge us to think about who are the American actors and who are the African American actors and Latino and Hispanics that were picked.
6: Uh, The Phoenix 2013 convention was a lot of fun. I really enjoyed my time there. There were many different fun activities to participate in, such as life-size Dutch blitz, visiting the different college booths, and attending seminars. I attended many interesting seminars. However, I think my favorite one was also racism in American film. I decided to attend this seminar because I love to watch movies, and I thought it would be interesting. Uh, So, the seminar began with an exercise in which we were given a description of a made-up film, and then we were split into groups, and so after having heard this description of the film, we were asked to come up with a list of actors that we thought would be good for the role. So, after the list had been compiled, we were told to stand up if we had any white people on our list, or any white actors on our list. All of the people in the seminar stood up for that one. And then we were asked to remain standing if we had any african Americans uh, actors on our list. A few groups sat down, but most of us remained standing. Then we were asked the same thing about Asian-American actors, Hispanic actors, and Native American actors. A few groups had Asian-American actors and Hispanic actors, but no groups at all had, had any Native American actors. Uh, this activity helped to show how white actors have better access to roles and a better shot at getting them. The leaders of the seminar also shared with us some statistics about this. For example, they said that about 80% of casting directors favor white actors over, any, over a- other actors of different races. The amount of casting directors that favored Native American actors was less than 1% also some statistics were shown about how white actors directors producers etc are disproportionately nominated for awards than actors directors producers of different races in another part of the seminar we were shown trailers from movies or clips from tv shows that either helped break down stereotypes or helped enforce them Um, One movie trailer that helped to break down stereotypes was called Spoke Signals, which was written, directed, produced, and starred in by Native Americans. The trailer did not use any of the stereotypes often attributed to Native Americans, such as them being stoic and mystical people. Overall, I found this to be a very fascinating seminar, and I am glad I attended it.
7: I'm going to talk about Luke Cartman's speech at Friday Morning Worship. Luke Cartman is the Vice President of Enrollment at EMU, and I was surprised by his charisma and storytelling ability, despite his rather boring-sounding job title. (laughs) While many of his points were all over the place, he had plenty of good things to say. An important point was this. Society naturally tries to force people to do or say things that they wouldn't normally do. From ridiculing a mentally handicapped boy in a school cafeteria to throwing rocks at his own brother for not fitting in on their baseball team, he gave examples of the influence of those around him at a young age. He then jumped to the topic of the church community. His experience with the Mennonite church as a teenager was less than positive. Adopted by Mennonites in the late 60s after being born to a 15-year-old mother, growing up he felt intimidated by what he thought were the legalistic rules of the church, and he felt out of place being the only non-white in the congregation. This led me to wonder, who feels out of place in our churches? If our goal is to be a welcoming community, what can we do to prevent people from feeling like Luke did? He said that there needs to be right relationship between brother and sister, Democrat and Republican, and all races and sexual orientations, in order for the church to remain a loving body of Christ rather than a place divided. If we don't focus on our divisions, but instead focus on God, the church will continue to grow. Although he jumped from topic to topic and was no more deep than you might expect from a youth convention speaker, he was not hard to follow and was definitely passionate about what he was saying.
8: Well, I'm going to talk about the the big, like the elephant in the room at the convention, but it was talked about a lot more than an elephant in the room, uh, immigration. And um, I'm basically going to talk about, Two um, seminars that I went to, but that's not the only time it's mentioned. There's plenty of uh, services where it was talked about, and even some people complained about that, which I didn't understand. But the first th- um, seminar that I went to was um, about immigration was uh, Children in no-, no Man's Land. And uh, before going to this, I thought I had a pretty good understanding of immigration, how how it worked, and why it was so, like, the laws were so strict and un- unfair in Arizona. But I didn't really have a motion to match that idea. Because where, where I, in Lancaster and in the school district, I don't really, I'm not around too many undocumented people. Uh, most of my friends are either born in Puerto Rico or here. And either way, you don't get caught for immigrate, like, undocumented immigration. So, um, in that film, it shows a family separated. The mother works and sends food and, and money to the children in Mexico. And um, the kids don't really, they, they got old enough to a stage where they don't, they want to stay in Mexico anymore. They want to be with their mother. And it shows their journey, and it, it shows how the government will, if they catch them, they have to keep them in detention centers until a guardian can come and pick them up, and it, it just—it's kind of heart-wrenching to see that a family is separated by just a line that a government decides is—is is what you have to stay in the parameters. When we're all God's children, we all should be able to be together, depending on, just not depending on what people decide. Um, the other um, seminar on immigration was immigration theater. Um, that one was. An interesting seminar where they selected actors that were in a bigger production. I can't exactly remember what college it was. I think it was either Bluffton Hest. They all kind of sound the same in my head, but. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, but they it was it was interesting. They, they they depicted different ethnic groups and different groups that have immigrated through time, and it it showed that there. Uh, opinions on immigration haven't always been po- well, there's always been negatives and there's always been positive attitudes, but in the late years it seems that there's been more and more negative opinion or, like, or at least ignorance to immigration their, their, um, their symbolism was lady liberally slowly slunching and just feeling tired and no longer feeling like she wants to accept she just wants to forget about it but we also talked about that there, there's hope, there's still people trying to to see what they can do to to help people stay together and be families but thank you for sending me to phoenix and uh for the seminar so uh
9: the first day that we went to convention, there was a youth group, that was, they were all wearing matching t-shirts, and on the back it said something about catching Jeremy Kempf. Well, the obvious questions came up in my head. Number one, who is Jeremy Kempf? Number two, is he somebody important? Number three, do other people know who that is? Well, uh, I, I soon found out that he was the worship leader. He, uh, he led us in about 20 to 30 songs before the other person, or before the speaker spoke, which is obviously an exaggeration, but, uh, but he, but, uh, and then he led us in about one to three songs after the speaker spoke, and uh, and he, he led us in a variety of songs, including hymns and, and uh, contemporary worship songs, some of them. I think he wrote himself uh, and uh there were there were two other people in the worship sessions who were supposedly worship leaders um they They came up and they told short stories or jokes and and uh didn't really do anything else. I never really understood what their actual role was but uh but they they were there <laughs> um, but uh, but yeah, so I I guess Jeremy Kemp had some uh some experience leading worship before now. He he definitely has some experience now. Um he he uh he was also selling T shirts. I don't no I don't think I would buy one but uh but yeah.